to the Zen House Podcast. I am your host, Enrico Moses. Along with me is my co-host, Sean Remock. This podcast was created for leaders, creatives, and entrepreneurs to learn, grow, and connect deeper with your mission and purpose in life. We bring to you real-life ideas that you can bring into your daily routine. We interview some amazing leaders, creatives, and entrepreneurs to learn from a diverse group of ideas and ways to tap into your zen. Whether this is how you start your day, take your commute, listen while you're at work, or consume at your leisure, we hope it adds more zen to your life and makes this world a better place. Welcome and enjoy. Yes, yes. Welcome to the Zen House podcast. I'm so excited that we have someone really special to my heart, a man that brought me into the organization that we talk about a lot on this podcast, The Mankind Project. This man is Michael Pierce. Michael, welcome. Thanks, Rico. And Sean, thanks so much. Good to be here. Yeah, you know, we've gone through a a journey together as, as brothers, as friends. I would love for you to tell our audience a little bit about what you're working on these days, what you're doing, and, and how you got to where you're at. All right. Uh, top, of, top of the list here. Um, so I guess the big news for me, I just completed a six-year stretch of my, of my journey. I went back to school uh, to become a, a licensed therapist. So six years of prerequisites, school, 3,000 plus clinical hours, uh, supervision with all that, and uh, I passed the, the state exam beginning of the year, and I'm now officially licensed as a marriage and family therapist in the state of California. Thank you, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite, a, quite a run. And I, I think about it, like six years, that's a that's ten percent of my life that I dedicated to that, and you know I was intentional about it, and probably more intentional about that over a six-year run than anything that I've been can say that I committed myself to six years on something of that magnitude. Can I ask you? what it felt like to be so intentional saying that, you know, this is the first time you felt that intentional. What did that feel like to be going through something and to be conscious how intentional you were being? Um, I'll, I'll double down on that one because it was intentional. Yes. And also the su- sustained intentionality. And, um, I, I, I came to a point I've, 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 I've done a lot of personal growth work and I came to this point where I wanted, I wanted more in my life. I wanted to manifest another version of myself or a more expansive version of myself. And it, it took, it took that intention. Like I, I knew I, um, a lifetime of doing things and pursuing activities and having adventures and all of that informed me at that stage in my life to make a decision about what next. 
and uh, like I, I didn't want to catch one wave. I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to surf, you know, until there was no surf left. Mm-hmm. So I said, let me, let me get on the longboard, and I'm, I'm going to ride it all the way. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's challenging. At so many turns, there were so many hoops to jump through, and um, like I, I don't think I hardly ever hesitated. I mm-hmm. put my head down, and I knew from my life's experience that this is the direction I was going in, and full speed ahead. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what made you want to head this in this direction with your career? Uh, let's see. So a couple of things come to mind. One, uh, it was a way for me to, to go, you know, full bore into something that had come naturally to me for much of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, are you familiar with the Enneagram? I'm not. It's a personality qualifier. Uh, I'm a number two. I'm a helper. That's my, that's the kind of guy I am. In uh, Myers-Briggs, I'm uh, an extroverted, intuitive, feeler, perceiver type. So those, just to, to, to put, a, put me in a, in a compartment or category, <laughs> I, I was born to do this by the nature of who I am and how I operate and how I walk into a room and connect with people and take, take the temperature of a room, check where people are and, and how I, how I fit with them. And, you know, for the 25 to, 30 years ago, I started looking inside and I, I didn't grow up with therapy. I was a middle-class blue collarish guy from New Jersey and I, I, I never knew that therapy was an option. So I, I figured out a lot of things the hard way. And, uh, and around 30, uh, I came out of a relationship and I said, you know, there's, there's, there's some stuff I don't know and I want to figure it out. And I've been figuring it out on some level ever since. And it's, I could say culminated. Uh, it has brought me to this place and I'll continue to learn and grow and, and, and be whatever else I'll be in this iteration of myself. Or at least that's the fantasy I have. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, before this, uh, the six year stretch of the intentional focus of being a helper and serving as now certified therapist. You mentioned 25, 30 years ago, the introspective uh, awareness came to you of creating, creating space and creating the mindset to, to serve. And, and to be that person, whether, you know, how that, and I'm curious how that was like starting to form and what opportunities and moments came to you throughout the journey, because 
and at what point did this start? Really like that beginner's mindset student, you know? Um, uh, as a, I've got six siblings. I'm the second oldest of those seven. And as a teenager, I jumped in and, and I helped my mom and I helped my dad and I helped my younger siblings. <clears throat> and, you know, I never thought twice about it. I didn't know what any of these personality things were. I didn't know what the term helper, none of that stuff. I just, I think I did what needed to be done from, from my point of view. And, you know, as, as I moved forward, um, and got away from my family of origin, my siblings, my parents, and made individual life choices, uh, I, I, I kept bumping my head on certain rafters in the room. And that most frequently showed up in relationships where I was stumbling or bumping my head, as it were. And, and I thought, you know, I, what is it I'm not getting? And, uh, and I wanted to get it. I wanted to, to be more present in relationships. I wanted to, to know why relationships weren't working out. And relationships that were working, what was it about them that, that made them sing? And I wanted more, more awareness. So uh, I guess having things not go the way I wanted, the way I planned in, in my mind, uh, compelled me to look at what was going on inside of me. And as I looked inside of me, I, I became more available to others. And I would say in a, you know, in a, in a healthy way, in a, in a more conscious way, because my, my reaction to help at home was well-intentioned and beautiful. And it was also, uh, you know, it was a world without boundaries. So I had to learn about boundaries too. So uh, again, I'm, I'm looking back and like, wow, I had a lot of stuff to go through and, and learn. And, and I did, I stayed with it. I'm, I'm curious about this concept of being reactive and proactive when it comes to uh, like your journey and the things that you're talking about of being more present, right? So it's like, should people wait until they're like, this isn't working for me? You know, should people wait till rock bottom? It's like, how can we all tap into this presence of being mindful and, and building our relationships before we hit this, like, well, this relationship isn't working. Like, I'm, I'm really curious of like your, your thoughts on that. Well, I'll, if we can, if we can put a disclaimer here across the bottom of the screen of, you know, my experience might be similar to other people's experiences, and it's it's been mine because of just it's a totally individual thing, and. Uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons I became a therapist. I wanted to, I wanted to trade in some of these experiences and, and support other people in looking at 
know, what changes might they make? Uh, and I, I think that the first step before somebody makes a choice to make any change has to be an awareness. And one awareness might be, uh, okay, this is, this is the fourth relationship in 18 months, and they've all ended the same way. I, if I was sitting with somebody, I'd say, okay, so who or what are the common denominators in all of that? And would you like to explore that? And sometimes people wind up sitting in a, in a room with me talking about those things because they do want to make a change or they have an awareness. And as far as where they go with that. Uh, I, I grew up with a lot of shoulds, what I should do, what I thought I should do, and that was really in response to somebody looking over my shoulder and pressure. I, I rarely use that word, and, and I, I really avoid using it around implying that somebody should do something because I want to avoid putting pressure on somebody else about, well, you know, four relationships in 18 months, you should really take a look. That's a lot different than, wow, that's, that's interesting. Is that something you want to look at? Explore the common denominators? I hopefully I would, if somebody's sitting in front of me asking me to, to take a look at that, that they'd be willing to explore it. But I think that that's really when things don't go the way people plan and uh, disappointments, uh, rejection, you know, th those things are usually uh, trigger points for people to, to take a deeper look at what maybe they could do differently or what they could do to be something more or different at this point in life. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I love that. I, I think that you're entering this field uh, into, into being a, a therapist at a really interesting time, in my view. Uh, I think that therapy in many different arenas, many different communities has sometimes a negative connotation. And personally, it feels like that is starting to ease up a little bit. And there's, there's more of a, uh, like a, social agreement that's like, hey, therapy is actually needed and it's not such a, a thing that's like just for crazy people. And so I, I guess my question is, how can you continue to lead on the argument of therapy is very normal and if you find out someone's going to therapy, if you choose to go to therapy, it's not because you're crazy or your life is so messed up. Um, yeah, just curious your thoughts on that. Uh, so there, so you, you brought in a couple more words that I, that I rarely, if ever, use. Um, <laughs> you keeping a list of this freak idea? <laughs> <laughs> it's, all being, it's, all, it's all being documented, yes. <laughs> uh, one is uh, crazy, and another one is normal, and... I mean, here we are, the middle of May, 2020, 
we go back now to you know a solid two months and it was March 11th just over two months ago the World Health Organization announced hey folks we're in a global pandemic and that's when that's when everything started to shift. And those words, crazy and normal, everybody's using them. Mm. Normal as a reference for what it used to be, and crazy as a, well, I don't know what the it is, but crazy ought to cover it. And I don't know, I, I, I think that there's a, there are standards that people generally look to for comfort and consistency and security. And, uh, you know, all those, all those posts in the ground that people anchor themselves to or tether for security or affirmation, they've all been jacked out of the ground. Well, most of them have. And, I think that right now people are, generally speaking, and I know some specifically, are uh, are housebound, and they are contained in their their houses, their silos, so to speak. And if they're in relationships, they're they're okay. Here we are. Here's you. Here's me. What's in between us? Well, let's. There it is. Let's take a look at it. Or not, but there aren't places to run right now. Run to a restaurant, run to a club, run to the beach, run to the run, run, play, go, whatever it is, whatever the activity. A lot of those grounding posts, or uh, I haven't said this yet, um, portals for escape. They're not available. We're not as available as they were. So when people go for that, what I remember, the standard, the normal, it's not there. They're ha they have a choice. Well, what will I do? What can I do? What's available now? Yeah, so that's really, that's re it, it really, starts to grind my gears here and thinking about this idea of mental health, mental wellness, where it is today and where is it going and not have, not creating assumptions of what's going to happen with the pandemic and the lockdown, when is it going to end? But just knowing that this idea of feeling burnt out, feeling helpless, feeling isolated, feeling disconnected, what, what can we learn as a, as a, as a society? What can we learn as a community and how can we, how can we start to create community when we're isolated? And is that really like a need? And if so, how can we start to improve our livelihood and our well-being, knowing that these, this is the current situation, you know, coming from your perspective as a therapist? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, the fact that, that you and Rico are here and you're, you're asking the question, you're, you know, your gears are engaging, you're putting this podcast together and putting voice to topics that are relevant. 
So, you know, you guys are creating community here. Anybody who wants to tune in to how you guys are vibing, they're getting Zen House. They're, get, they're getting community. And I think most uh, significantly, you know, community starts with those closest to us. So it's the immediate partnership, housemates, roommates, uh, beyond partners, children, parents, whoever, you know, that, that's the immediate community. And by nature of what we're going through right now with the stay at home and social distancing, uh, everybody, everybody who's following the rules, anybody anyway, is, is, is required to, to make adjustments, to adapt and adjust to a different way of being in relationship with their community, whether the nuclear family or nuclear friendships, uh, beyond that, uh, neighbors, apartment dwellers, house dwellers, you know, have those rela relationships, I wonder if those change, have changed for people in the last eight weeks. And if so, how? Are people aware of how those relationships might be changing? I, I, I notice when I'm out walking or riding my bike and there's a, there's a whole new etiquette for walking and wearing masks and the, the courtesy of stepping off the sidewalk and going out into the street so that the, the couple walking along doesn't have to, to move out. And uh, I, I'm, I'm taken aback by how people, how receptive those, those walkers are to the other walkers. <laughs> out, uh, I think like social distancing doesn't mean that it has to be a social dead end. Like, it's okay to have the distance and, and smile or wave. And if I'm walking and I'm listening to music or I'm talking to somebody, it's okay to acknowledge somebody that I'm within 10 feet of. And I just, I notice people who are willing to do that and some people who are not. And then I realize, Oh yeah, well I'm, I'm the extrovert, so I probably would do that. And maybe they're an introvert, so I avoid avoid rushing to judgment about who's doing what and why. But it's a it's a great time to notice the, the social interactions. Really fascinating time. Yeah, I've really noticed that and kind of like what do we do in this new time of like, well, are they sick? Are they not sick? Did they coughed? It's just like these, these social um, norms that we're used to. There's kind of like these new set of social, social norms that are coming in. And yeah, I can feel that for me, it's awkward. Like I would just, I would say the word of like awkward of like someone coming and there's avoidance and it's, it's definitely an interesting time to figure out community. And, and I'm so glad for men like you, Michael, um, you brought me into an amazing community, the Mankind Project, who you know I've done a lot of work with, and I know you've done a lot of work with. So I'm curious 
you know, why you chose to invest so much of your time into an uh, organization like the Mankind Project? Well, uh, I'll get there, but I'll also say that uh, you say I brought you in. Uh, that was, what, seven years ago? We were playing volleyball on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you were you were curious and hungry and you were searching for something mm -hmm. and um and you and, and you asked me about what, what what i had to offer and and i and i laid out on the menu the stuff that i knew about mkp mm -hmm. and this new warrior training adventure and uh and, and you you seized the day rico so um Thanks for thanks for acknowledging my part and uh, every step towards that weekend and during and after has been taken by you. Mm. So, um, it's been a great journey. Thank you yeah. for reminding me of that. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like you, for me, it was twenty five years ago. Uh, a trusted friend invited me to a small circle, and. And I wasn't—I didn't know I was looking for anything, per se. And I didn't—you know—I grew up with uh, influenced by a lot of female energy. Five sisters: my mother, my a younger brother, and my dad, who was home at times and and rarely available on any emotional level. Okay, so. Um, been in a couple careers and I hadn't found um, a fraternal order or a brotherhood or manhood that I could connect with that I was really fulfilled with. So I could, on some level, I was looking for something that I sensed was missing and I didn't have a clue what it was. And by sitting in this, this circle, 25 years ago, I, uh, I sensed something with these, with these guys that talked about, you know, their, their lives and relationships and, and work in a, in a non bragging way, though I, I was accustomed to men putting on about, you know, how, you know, how big, how, how blonde, how, how beautiful, how much, like it was all about accumulation you know, generally speaking and I just I wasn't inspired by that and then these guys these guys got they got real and in in a couple hours and I thought you know this didn't happen by accident these these guys bring us back to the word earlier on these guys are intentional they're, they're coming in they're, they're cool they're 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 joking around and God, they're dropping into some space that I wasn't familiar with. And in my body, I, I got the sense that it was real. There was something authentic going on here. And I didn't know anything about this new warrior training adventure or the organization. So I was, I wanted to do a little research before I said, oh yeah, I'll jump in with you guys. That was in my head, in my body. My body was saying, dude, there's something going on here. And it feels right to you. And, and, and that was the, that was my big takeaway was that there was something there. And 
I talked to my friend that invited me a couple of days later and it's no big deal. I said, Hey, they didn't want to talk about what happened on the weekend. And because uh, it's, it's a pretty cool weekend. He goes, I could tell you what happens if you want, but if I do, it'll take away the discovery. And for me, the discovery was, was worth the weekend. I said, yeah, no, don't spoil it for me. I don't need to know. I trust you. Yeah. And that was the key. I trusted him. And, you know, I, I went in and, and I stayed in. And uh, I actually, on, on the healing plateau here, uh, Wayne, my friend, he's a chiropractor. And he was doing this network chiropractic. Um, and I had experienced through that a lot of stuff that got, was getting opened up for me, emotional stuff. And my, my spine was getting straighter, but I also found out that there was stuff running through my system that uh, I don't know, there had to be some kind of reckoning. I didn't know what it was. And when I, when I got to the training adventure and Mankind Project, I was able to articulate some of what was going on for me. Because with the chiropractic, it's more about moving energy. So that got me, that, that woke me up and along with, you know, the latest relationship that didn't work out the way I wanted. And then, you know, coming into the, the work with the men, I was able to script a narrative that fit for me of my life up till that point. And then I found, you know, there were close to 40 other men that showed up to support me and 27 others that were there for the first time. So that was, uh, you know, a, a deep, a deep dive or the first of many deep dives. And it also gave me a place to, to show up and be of service and which I, which I was pretty good at. And while serving, there was a residual effect or collateral stuff that happened because my experience is broadened and you know every time it seems that I stepped in to support somebody on a particular part of their journey you know magically I, I got transported somehow some way mm -hmm. and generally I felt you know I felt good I was happy and I had a sense of being appreciated and valued when I was being of service that way. And of course that led to all other kinds of work and slow forward to today. <laughs> yeah. And when you look at the key principles and philosophies of what creates a sustainable organization that has intention, that creates diversity, that creates authenticity and creates community, course what do you what do you think is because i feel like i'm starting to notice it surface and arise more and more especially today and how brands and companies and organizations are starting to to, to push to push in that direction of like let's get real let's get let's really create intention and authenticity and i think when you look at mkp you know it's just a perfect example to look at how there's so many things that are right 
there's so many things that create sustainability and community and like to really kind of like look at the gems and the, and the key insights, you know, for our audience as they're building their communities, their businesses, their organizations, you know, how can we extract what works? Well, I, I think that a, a key element or key word that you, you mentioned in there is, is authentic. And you also said real. And I don't, um, I didn't Google Zen house before the call. I, I don't know who your audience is. Uh, and, and I hope that whoever's tuning in and whatever groups or organizations are out there that, uh, that they consider for themselves as individuals first, what's true for them, you know, what's real for them and, and, and what's authentic. And um, I know that, that on my journey, being my authentic self has, has become consistently more important and being my authentic self uh, in my life covers more of my waking hours than it did. And uh, I think that, you know, the Mankind Project has a lot of good things going for it. And it has evolved over 35 years. Uh, the, the, the training adventure itself, in its essence, uh, is, is pretty similar in a lot of ways, the structure of it, to when it started. And, and it's been tweaked. It's been getting tweaked for, for 30 plus years. One of the things that I think has enabled the Mankind Project to sustain itself is that uh, there's, there's no guru. There's no one guy or top dog. There's, there's a hierarchy. There are levels of uh, certified leadership within the structure of the weekend. And then there are small groups that meet afterwards and there's our coordinators. There's, administrative and logistical structures that that keep it at, keep it on the tracks and in addition to that i remembered going to that weekend and on every weekend since taking a look at things in my life and aspects of myself that i was unconscious of and in jungian psychology he refers to the, the unconscious or, or the shadow aspects. And, um, you know, shadow can be, a lot of people think it's only the negative, but, you know, looking at uh, what I keep in shadow, things that I'm, that I'm ashamed of, that I'm not proud of, that, that uh, I really don't want you to know about me, or things about me that I'm really proud of that I might be holding back and sharing because I'm uncomfortable or insecure about it. So one thing that, that MKP does is they encourage all of the participants, all of the members to, to, to acknowledge hidden, repressed and denied stuff as a way of being more present and being more authentic and real. So I, I think that's definitely in there to, to help sustain it because there's no, 
um, you know, every, everybody's, everybody's got their warts. And let's not pretend that we don't. We don't have to lead with the warts and talk about them all the time, but let's talk about the wholeness and look at, you know, how we can improve. How can we become more and different? Mm, yeah, that's, that's something that I've always personally really loved about the Mankind Project and something that we also integrate into the Zen house is the concept of the circle, right? So in a circle, we are all equals. It's not a, a long table and somebody at the head of the table. And I feel like I learn from everybody. You know, I learn when I'm consciously listening, I learn from every single person who's speaking. It might be learning what I don't want to do or some way I don't want to show up, but I 100% learn from everybody. And I feel like that's, uh, that's just such a powerful concept that, that I wish we could bring more into our society, that everybody has something to offer. So I think that's something that we're seeing with COVID is with the frontline workers is just how important everybody in our society actually is to the whole. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think, Sean, you asked earlier about the, I don't know, the global takeaway from this. And I, I don't think I ever touched on it or Rico, Mike, I, I hope we learn a ton from this. What if for all that we're going through, like there are so many growth opportunities in this. Start with the community, the nuclear family and the closest friendships and expand from that. You know, how is the United States learning from the United Kingdom? How is, how is Seoul being informed by Wuhan? You know, what's happening in the Kremlin is impacting what's happening in the White House. Like, it's just there, there are, it's like the whole world is holding up a mirror. And are we willing to look in and say, oh, yeah, yeah, me too, or not? So I, I, we're, I don't know how much longer we will be in this state, uh, but... It's, it's, it's not going away overnight, and it will not be miraculously gone. Uh, so uh, whatever it is, I, I plan to keep on learning from it. And, and I hope that everyone else is open on some level because I, I, it's, I think it's here to teach us a bunch of lessons. Mm, I couldn't agree more. There's so much growth on this journey that we're on right now. Yeah. So are you ready to enter into the Zen round? Um, maybe. But I, <laughs> I, I, I want to acknowledge you and Sean, though, as um, being on that wave of a, of a generation that, that's bringing change. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've thought of that a few times as we're talking, and it's last week when you asked me to join you here. Uh, you know, you two are out in the front. You're, you're, you're inviting people to take a different look at other ways. And uh, I've appreciated the questions today, some more than others. Uh, no, it's, it's been, um, you, you've had me going back and forth when I, when, when I was where Rico is, when I was, Sean, you know, at your age. 
and I'm looking back and then coming forward. So it's um, truly appreciating being with you now and going back and forth and uh, excited for where you guys might be taking us in the future. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I see you right there next to us on these front lines uh, as I've always seen you since, uh, you know, playing volleyball together. So super grateful for all that you do. Yes, yes. Right Amazing. On. So let's start the, the Zen round. So the first question in the Zen round is, what does Zen mean to you? Peaceful, natural, authentic place of openness. What do you do when you want to feel grounded? Uh, depending on where I am, I will uh, close my eyes. I'll put my hand on my heart. And I'll um, and I'll I'll pray in a direction, a direction that I'm looking for guidance from. Who is one of your favorite thought leaders? Favorite what? Thought leaders. <clears throat> um. I thought of him before this call. He came up a couple times. Um, Don Jones, uh, one of my early mentors with, with New Warriors, and uh, passed away six years ago. But uh, uh, Don Jones um, lived a life of, of fullness and authenticity, and he made a lot of mistakes. And he owned it, and uh, yeah, um, inspirational, still in my heart. Love it. What's a book you feel like a lot of people should read? All right, you're going to ask me that question again and put a different qualifier on it? <laughs> What's a book you love? <laughs> um, Uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. How are you thriving during COVID? I'm <clears throat> sitting still more frequently. Uh, I'm moving with more intention. And I'm, uh, I'm considering wherever I go, what's the impact that I'll have as I move through? Like it's, and that's, that's, that's a byproduct of this COVID-19. Like I'm, I'm negative. I don't think I'm asymptomatic, but I don't know. So let me consider. So it's, it's having me uh, check myself and censor myself on another level before I go anywhere. Hmm. 
what's one place you can't wait to go once this quarantine is lifted? Uh, uh, back to New Jersey. Uh, hopefully to, to visit my mom who's, uh, who's been struggling and, uh, to visit with my dad one more time. So they're both, uh, they've got more breaths behind them than in front of them. What's one of your favorite foods? One of my favorites. So hands down, go to is a Caesar salad. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. But, uh, with the anchovies, everything, yeah, and uh, make it fresh. So that's uh, it's got nine ingredients in it. I dig them all. Who is an artist that you think people should listen to? Who is what? An artist, a musical artist. <clears throat> um, I think uh, David Wilcox. Singer songwriter, um, great wordsmith, and uh, sneak another one in uh, Lucinda Williams, uh, another uh, weaves a tapestry of, 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 of lyrics that are uh, really powerful. How can people get a hold of you? They like, they like what they're hearing and they want to, you know, get some of what you're offering. See the website, uh, peerpsychotherapy.com. Yep, it's a, it's a bunch of letters, but once it's in, <laughs> now that, that would be the best way. Nice. And what's one final piece of wisdom that you want to leave with our audience? Uh, no pressure there, huh? <laughs> Uh, who's your audience again? I, maybe I can cater this. It's creatives, um, leaders, and entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, lead, lead from your heart, and those with hearts will follow. And what's a blessing for yourself before we log off? I acknowledge uh, the time I set aside today to invest in two powerful young men that I believe in and uh, knowing that I've given and in, have invested in the future is a blessing in itself. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to share pieces of yourself and your wisdom with us today. Thank you, Michael. Welcome, Rico. Sure. Take care, guys. Thank you so you much. Too. Have See a wonderful day. Peace and love, everyone. Peace and love.